Uh, give me a wave if you were here last time when I spoke. Yeah, a whole heap of people. Uh, I won't go right into my story, but just for those that weren't here last time, uh, I grew up in Melbourne. Uh, everybody in my family uh, <clears throat> did drugs. My mum did drugs, my dad, my aunties, uncles, grandparents. And, uh, you know, as a young boy, I kind of set off on that path of doing drugs at about 12 years old, uh, excessive drinking. Uh, I was injecting by the time I was 15. Uh, I ended up uh, with uh, drug-induced psychosis where the television would speak to me, the radio would speak to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was on drugs almost every day of my life for about 10 years. And, uh, but had one lady, an auntie, that prayed for me for 17 years. And, uh, you know, I just always encourage every time I share this story, don't ever stop praying for the people that you're believing for. You know, it might seem like not much is happening, but for 17 years, for my auntie, it probably seemed like not a lot was happening. But all of a sudden, God changed my life and radically turned everything around. Can we give God praise? And, uh, you know, in, in a moment... He, at 23, he set me free of drugs. He healed my mind of mental illness. And, uh, you know, I'm so thankful uh, to an auntie that just continued to pray. And uh, we're called to live a life of faith. Even when stuff doesn't look right, we're the ones that look at it and keep declaring until we see it come right in Jesus' name. And uh, so uh, I want to, uh, I shared last time, we've got a great um, uh, resource, an online course. Uh, we have one that's for addiction if you're struggling with an addiction, and also one that's, that really helps change mindsets. And uh, if, if you, if you want to have a look at that, it's at um, the website is afreedomexperience.com, and uh, you can look at those courses there. They're like 21-day online kind of journey full of mind renewal and God encounter. And, uh, but, uh, that's, so that's afreedomexperience.com. Uh, I want to share a, a message that I call Mud Man. Everyone say Mud Man. That's good. All right. Mudman. And, uh, you know, I've got two beautiful boys. Uh, they're now 15 and 16 years old. Well, one will be 16 uh, next month. So please pray for me because he's about to get his learners. And uh, so I need extra prayer. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, they're really good boys. I'm, I'm proud of both of them. But I remember, uh, you know, one of the things I've loved about being a dad is something that I call the dad anointing. And so what a dad anointing is, is it's something that only comes upon dads. And when it comes upon you, you allow your children to do things that a mum would not let them do. Does everyone know what I'm talking about? I remember it was a long time ago when my boys were about probably four and five. And it had rained. It was back when we had the, uh, the floods, the Brisbane floods. And it had rained for a whole month. And it was January and... You know, it was pouring with rain, and I felt the dad anointing come upon me. I, I, I waited for my wife to leave the room because I'm smart. And, and, and I said to the boys, I said, quick, get the rugby ball and let's go play rugby in that muddy field next door. And I know I should have got them out of their brand new Christmas clothes first. But a dad anointing doesn't see details like that, just the fun that could be had. And so <clears throat> I... Uh, I'm playing with my boys, uh, playing rugby, and, uh, you know, there, there was the kind of the try line, and there was this, like, thick mud patch, and, 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 and so my boy was running toward the, the try line, and he was the smallest one, and don't tell him I told you this, my youngest, he's the one that cries the easiest, okay? It's normally the second born, because you've been tortured, and, and so... 
We're going to pray for you afterwards, okay? Especially if you're a middle child. We're re- well, actually, there's not much hope for you. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. And, and, so, and so my boy was running toward this mud patch, and I was way over here, and, you know, about 107 kilograms of uncoordinated mass. And, and, and I thought to myself, if I run really hard, I could tackle my son, and, and we could slide through the mud patch together across the try line. And in my mind, we would create an incredible father-son memory that we would remember for many years to come. And, and, and so I ran, and, and I didn't just run, but I ran hard, and I hit him, and I hit him hard. And, and together we slid through this, you know, about six feet of this thick mud patch across the try line. The only problem was his head was face down. The entire time. He got up and he threw the ball and ran home to mum. And that's when you need the mum anointing. When the dad anointing goes horribly wrong, which does happen quite often. But before he ran off to mum, I remember looking at him and you couldn't actually see the whites of his eyes. Because they were covered in mud. And it was at that moment that I kind of had this thought. And get ready because this is pretty deep, okay? And it's this simple thought that having mud in your eyes does not help you to be able to see. Deep, isn't it? There you go, it's deep. And and having mud in your eyes does not help you to be able to see unless, of course, Jesus is involved. And, And I don't know if you've ever thought about the story in John 9. That's a very unusual story where Jesus heals a blind man, but the way that he does it is he literally spits into the ground He makes a mud spit pie. He puts it on the man's eyes. He tells him to go and wash it off in a pool called Siloam, and the man is miraculously healed. I don't know about you, but that just seems like such a random story, doesn't it? Like, like seriously, like imagine if I got a little bucket of dirt, and I kind of cleared my throat and spat into it, and then got a little mud spit pie, and I said, Church, I tell you, there's an anointing for healing in this place right now. Like, even if if I'm the blind guy, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait for the next evangelist to come. You know, the guy that will just put his hand on my head and pray in Jesus' name. But this is what Jesus did, and it seems so random. But I believe that there's an incredible truth into why Jesus did this very unusual thing. And then we're going to pray at the end of this service. Uh, We're going to pray for people. But before I get to the Scripture in John 9, verses 6 to 8, Uh, there's a conversation happening about this particular blind man. And it's a a question that maybe you've asked this about your life. He says, why me? Uh, They're saying, why him? Why was he born blind? I wonder if you've ever asked that about your life. Why my business? Why my marriage? Why my son? Why my finance? Why me? And they're saying this question of why him? And one it's kind of a theological debate. One guy says, well, I think it's because his parents were terrible sinners. And somebody else says, no, I think it's him that was the sinner. And Jesus says, well, actually, none of these things are right. But actually, his blindness was to bring my Father in heaven glory. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But then we find ourselves in verse 6 to 8, if the guys have got that on the screen And it says this, having said these things, which is what I just talked about. That was the discussion about this blind man. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and he made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So he went back and he washed and he came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him begging asked 
uh, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And it seems like a random thing that Jesus would do this, but I believe that Jesus did this thing in the context of them asking this particular question about why was this man born blind? And Jesus kind of gave us the spiritual answer. Do you know what I mean? It was to bring God glory. And it's like, well, okay, Jesus, that's great. We don't know how old this man was, how old he was, but let's say he was 30. That's great, Jesus. But what about the 30 years that he had to be the blind guy just so that the Father would receive glory in this moment? And so Jesus gives us the spiritual answer, but I believe that he was taking us deeper and showing us the practical reason why this man was born blind. See, the Greek word for the word in the text that we read, the, the Greek word for mud or clay is the Greek word palos, okay? It's a Greek word, and, and it simply means mud or clay. That's deep, isn't it, okay? And, and so uh, the only other time that that Greek word is used, palos, is only one time in the whole New Testament, which was written in Greek, and it was in the book of Romans where Paul says, or God spoke through Paul, and he says, it's my right to make whatever I want out of each piece of palos, each piece of clay. Some I'll use for noble purposes, some for common. And right there, he's calling you and I clay. He's calling humans mud or clay. The reason he's doing that, because in the book of Genesis, it says that God stooped down to the, the, the ground and he took the clay, he took the mud in Adam and he breathed his breath in Adam and Adam was formed. And so in a sense, you and I, are, 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 we're made from the mud. And, and then, of course, we have the breath of God, which is God's spirit. And, and when Adam and Eve sinned, it was the mud, the human part of us, that became contaminated. And so that's why we have this wrestle where we love God because we have a spirit that is, that, that is eternal and powerful and God. But at the same time, we all have this humanity that has a sinful nature. And the Bible says they wrestle against each other. And when Jesus put the mud on the man's eyes, he was answering the question as to why this man was born blind. I believe he was taking us deeper and he was simply showing us the reason he was born blind. It's because of the mud, because of our humanity. And because uh, our mud has been contaminated by sin, sometimes people are just born blind. But, but who knows that you and I can end up exactly like this man where we are unable to see the great things that God has for our life because we're looking through the mud. We're looking through the, our flawed humanity and we're unable to see what God has for our lives. Maybe it's a major disappointment. Maybe it's a sin that we're struggling with. Maybe it's negativity. Maybe we're too pessimistic. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's insecurity. And we're unable to see the good things that God has for our life. See, but watch this. Remember, Jesus said that, that, that the, the, the blind man it was to bring God the Father glory. But then he takes us deeper and he shows us the practical reason why this man was born blind. But if you put those two things together, then what you'll understand is the very thing you're struggling with is the very thing that the greatest asset you have to bring the Father glory. You know, I remember I, uh, I was, uh, you know, I grew up and one of my dad's best mates, he's kind of known me since I was a, a little kid. And he was a kind of a bit, my dad's a pretty rough guy, a bit of a knockabout kind of guy. 
And his mate, you know, went to, I grew up going to pubs with him and doing, you know, he was like my dad on drugs and alcohol. And, but, but this man, his name is Mark. He's known me his whole life or my whole life. And he saw me as a little boy where I started to get on drugs and alcohol. And he saw me where I, I got to the point, I didn't do it in front of him, but where I started to inject drugs and I started to get skinny and my mind started to get to a bad place. He saw me after I took an acid trip that left me with drug-induced psychosis. And I went from being like a happy-go-lucky kind of kid to now I was messed up and not really making sense. And he watched me become skinny and what society would call a junkie and suicidal. And, and so he's known me my whole life. And one day I invited my dad's friend to church. He's the kind of guy that when you invited him, he said, well, if I walked in there, the building would collapse. You know anyone like that? And, and, and I said, just come along. And, and I remember I preached and I preached as good as I could. And I, I preached with passion and fire. And, and he's sitting in the front row. He's about 60 years old, never been to church his whole life. After the service, he quickly, you know, went outside probably to have a cigarette. He was probably overwhelmed. Had never been in a room full of Christians in his whole life. And, <coughs> excuse me, he, he, he makes his way out to the front. And I walk out to this man and I, I, I said, Mark, what did you think? And he just watched me preach. And he looked at me with no exaggeration. He says, he says only God could have done what I just saw happen on that stage. He says, I've known you your whole life. He said, I know who you really are. Only God could have done what I just saw happen on that stage. See, what I want to tell you is that very thing that you're struggling with is the very thing that God wants to flip around so that he could get glory for it. See, the devil wants to try and make you think you're disqualified, that you should walk around in shame because of your mud and your struggle. But that's the thing that God wants to flip around so that he would get glory and that you would walk in great victory in whatever that thing that you're struggling with. <clears throat> See, the reality is we all have mud that we struggle with. If you think that you don't, then just give me five minutes with your spouse and we'll come up with a list of the humanity that you struggle with. And let me tell you, my wife's list would be just as long, if not longer than all of yours. And so, you know, but the thing is, we've just got to simply learn to deal with the mud. And I just got three quick things and then we're going to pray. The first one is this, is you've got to go with intent to the one that was sent. You know, in verse 7, we read in that scripture, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And that word means sent. And when this pool called Siloam, it means sent one, it's actually a picture of Christ. And what Jesus is showing us here is that Siloam is a picture of Christ. He was the sent one. He was like you and I, where he also was fully man. He has mud just like you and I to wrestle with, yet he was the only one that perfected the mud. He was the only one that overcame the mud, the temptations of the mud. And what Jesus is saying is, if you're going to deal with your mud, you've got to take it to the one that perfected the mud. You've got to take it to the one that was sent. See, so often in Christianity, what we're doing is all wearing our Christian masks, pretending that we don't have any mud, instead of dealing with the fact that, yes, I've got some mud, but you know what? I'm going to take it to the one that perfected the mud. I'm going to bring it to Jesus. 
Let me tell you, sometimes the temptation is worse when you've been a Christian for a long time. Because the devil beats us up and we start to think, well, I shouldn't be dealing with these things. So we go around pretending we've got a mask on our whole life instead of taking off the mask, getting real with ourselves and some others and saying, you know what, I'm going to bring this thing to the one that was sent. You know, I, I have this first point as go with intent to the one that was sent because it's about the way that you go that determines what you receive. See, the Bible says it's the hungry that shall be filled. It's about the way that you come, you know, the way that you turn up to church, the way that you go to your devotional life. It's about the way that you come that determines what you receive. See, see I don't think that this young Jewish boy stopped off at his auntie's house for some food, although she was an incredible cook. When Jesus said, go to Siloam, he didn't stop and talk to anyone. He didn't uh, go a different way. He went as quick as he could. I'm going to go to Siloam because I'm going to get my miracle from Jesus. He went with intent to the one that was sent. You know, parents will re uh, relate to this story. But, you know, one of the things I don't like about having kids, and it's not so much now that they're a bit older, now there's other problems. Uh, <clears throat> but when they were little, and you know that thing when you're on your way to church, and, and, and it's awesome, you're going to be on time, and, and, and then you, you look down and you're like, but where's your shoes? I've told you a hundred times to put your shoes on. And then you look at him and you say, right, mister, you have one minute to be in that car. Well, you were in big trouble. Don't you hate when you sound exactly like your parents once sounded? You said it would never happen, but it does. I'm sorry, young adult. I'm, I'm prophesying. It will happen. <clears throat> and you sit in the car and one minute feels like four minutes. Two minutes feels like seven minutes. Three minutes feels like 12 minutes. Now I'm, I, I'm, I'm so angry in my heart that I'm going to need three songs at church just to deal with my anger. But now because I'm angry in my heart, I have a fight with my wife. Now I need three songs and communion. And you walk back inside, you're like, what on the earth is he doing? But he found some Lego that wasn't yet finished and he had to finish the house. He doesn't care about your plans. There's no intent. I remember we took my youngest for his birthday to Dreamworld and and we took three of his friends for his birthday and it was a miracle because that morning he woke us up. He was already dressed. He had packed his bag. He had made his own lunch. He's like, Dad, let's go to Dream World. See, it's about the way that you come that determines what you receive. See, that's why the devil wants to bring apathy. Because it's about the way that you come that determines you receiving your miracle. See, faith and expectation is the doorway to receive the breakthrough and the miracle. That's why the devil, you, you know that thing of when you, when you first become a new Christian, and, 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 it's, and, and we call it the, uh, 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 I forget what we call it, the honeymoon period. And, and, and you know, there's that moment when your eyes are first open and, and it's like the trees are greener and the birds are singing. And, and every time you come to church, it doesn't matter what series the pastor is in, it was exactly for you. It didn't matter whether the, the, the worship was good or having sound issues, you were straight into the throne room of God. And they call it the honeymoon period. 
And then they say, well, eventually it kind of wears off. But I wonder if the only reason it wears off is because what once wowed you has started to become normal. I wonder if the only reason it was that kind of clear and you were hearing words from heaven and encountering His presence because you were in awe of the fact that, that three weeks ago I didn't know Him, but now the Creator of heaven wants to speak to me. He's inviting me to step into His presence. I wonder if the only thing that changed is that what once wowed me has now just become normal. See, it's about the way that you come that determines what you receive. The second thing is this. Number two, if, number one, you've got to go with intent to the one that was sent. The second thing is you've got to simply wash the mud off. You've got to, you've got to recognize that you've got some mud, and, and, but you're going to bring it with intent to the one that was sent. But when you get to Jesus, you've got to reach down into the waters of Christ and apply it to your dysfunction, to your addiction, to your struggle, to your stinking thinking, to your past. And as we wash with the waters of Christ, which is the Word of God, Ephesians says that we are cleansed by the washing of the Word. And as we apply it, all of a sudden the mud starts to disappear and we see the great things that God has for our lives. You know, I remember an embarrassing moment when I, I, I first got married, I had this issue where I would never wash my hands with soap. Don't judge me. Especially in today's climate with COVID. Now we've got soap and, you know, you name it. And, and so I had this issue where I'd get married and, and my wife would always, you know, whenever I wash my hands, I'd just use water and not soap. And she's like, seriously, just please use water. And, and she was like a germaphobe. You know, we'd go to the movies and I'd be touching the escalator rail and she'd be manifesting like she had demons. And she's like, do you know how many millions of germs are on that escalator? And then I'd deliberately touch her face and say, baby, I love you so much. We needed quite a bit of marriage counselling at the beginning. Mainly to sort her stuff out. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. But, but, but we had this argument and, 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 and we'd end up at the sink together. It went on for many years. I'm a little stubborn. And, 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 and she would see me wash my hands. And she's like, seriously, just like pump the soap. Just use the soap. And, and I don't know where I got it from. I'm like, no, no, you don't need soap. You just need running water. She's like, that's stupid. Just pump the soap. And, and for years this went on. At the time, I was a youth pastor. And I was, uh, uh, well, I was cleaning windows where I'd go to, you know, big shopping malls. And I would soap up the window. And I'd get my squeegee and make it real nice. And we're having our normal argument. She's like, please just use the soap. I'm like, you don't need soap. You just need running water. She says, okay then. She says, tomorrow when you go and wash uh, your, your windows, don't use any soap. What would happen then? I was like, it, that, it, it wouldn't work. She says, I know. It doesn't work on your hands either. I'm happy to say ever since that day, I've been set free, delivered. I now use soap. You'll be happy afterwards when we shake hands. <laughs> See, what's the point of the story? If you don't use soap, you end up with dirty hands. See, stop getting hung up on the fact and pretending that we don't live in a muddy world and that we don't have a, a mud man, a sinful nature. Just get hung up on the fact that he's provided the soap. 
that if I keep bringing my mud to the one that was sent with intent and washing the Word of God. And so really what we're talking about is a devotional life. We're talking about the way that you come to Jesus, bringing your mud to Him, reaching down into the Word that He says over your life. I might just get someone to come and play keyboard. I just got a couple stories and then we're going to pray. You know, I, I remember when this became a big thing for me, this particular uh, revelation. You know, I traveled as an itinerant for nine years, preaching all around the world. And God really blessed me to be able to travel to many, many countries around the world and some of the greatest churches in the world. And I remember when I first started to get a bit of breakthrough and I, I preached at a church called Planet Shakers Church in Melbourne. And it, it was a big deal for me because I kind of, you know, hadn't spoken in a church of that kind of, that, that was world renowned like that. And it was a real blessing that I got to speak there. And, but, but after I really started to shrink back, I started to feel like I didn't belong. And the reason I started to feel like I didn't belong is because I looked at the pastor, Pastor Russell Evans, who his dad is, is just a legend in the faith, Pastor Andrew Evans and his mom and his grandfather who was, you know, planting churches at the age of like 90. And I started to think about my family that I came from, the mud that I came from and started to feel like I, I just didn't belong. And see, on my dad's side, my, my dad's mom grew up in a brothel. She was raised in a brothel from the age of about three years old because her parents were killed. You don't have to be Einstein to work out what happens to a little girl that grows up in a brothel. And she married a man who was my dad's dad who <clears throat> was an alcoholic, who was violent and abusive, broke most bones in my nan's body. He'd make my dad... And his brothers fight until somebody couldn't stand any longer. My dad saw horrific things happen that his dad did when he was a little boy. And it's no wonder that even today my dad, at almost 70 years old, still struggles with alcohol and addiction. On my mum's side, my mum's mum, beautiful lady, just like my other nan, she was sexually abused by her own dad when she was a little girl, and she married a man that was also abusive, struggled with depression, was an alcoholic, and that's the mud my mum came from. And just to make it worse, when my mum was about nine years old, she was raped by three teenage boys in a vacant lot. And again, that's the mud I've come from. My mum has six brothers and sisters, so does my dad. So there's 14 in total. Nobody went to university. Nobody had amazing businesses. Nobody became wealthy. Nobody became incredibly influential. And the reality is that's the mud that I've come from. When I started to get these opportunities, I started to shrink back because I started to feel like I didn't belong on some of those stages. I didn't belong in that kind of destiny because of where I was from. In other words, the, 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 in, the mud of insecurity of my past started to stop me from seeing the great things that God had for my life. But then one day I was reading in the text where it talks about the fact that I was created in His image. In His likeness I was made. 
And as I was starting to shrink back and the mud was stopping me from seeing the great things that He has for my life, I was reminded that that might be the immediate mud I came from, but the original place I came from was from God Almighty, that I was created in His image, that I can go wherever He's called me to go. But isn't it amazing? And even in my life right now, I feel God speaking to me again about this truth. That the mud of my humanity can stop me from seeing the great things that God has for my life. And I've got to keep going back to the one that was sent. And reaching down into his water. And and, and fighting almost against the things of the past that want to stop me from seeing the great things that God has for my life. So that I can see all that God has for my life. See, I don't know what it is for you, whether it's insecurity and fear. Maybe it's a struggle with sin. Maybe it's feeling alone and rejected. Maybe it's because you failed big time. Whatever it is, let me tell you, there's some soap in here that if you just keep washing, you'll be able to see the great things that God has for your life. And the last thing is this, and one more story, and then we're going to pray. Is number three, why does God want you to live like this? It's the answers found in verse 8. It says, The neighbours and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? The reason why God wants you to live this kind of devotional life, keep bringing your mud to the one that was sent, keep reaching down into what he says about you and seeing what he has for your life is so that number three is that you'll stop living like a beggar. See, because you're not on the planet to live like a beggar. Bible says you were born to, 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 to multiply, to be fruitful, to be the head and not the tail, to be above and not beneath. But the devil wants us to stay low. The devil wants us to be beaten up. But God's plan is that you would literally uh, walk in great blessing in every area of your life. See, he stopped living like a beggar. I remember this. One lady I prayed for, and I'll finish with this story, and then we're going to pray. I remember this one lady I prayed for, and she was struggling majorly with anxiety to the point where she couldn't even leave her own house. She had two beautiful little girls. She couldn't even leave her her house, and she was so bound and gripped by fear and anxiety. She'd go to church every now and again, a church in Ipswich. I was doing an encounter retreat weekend, and about 20 people would come and over a couple of days we'd do about four or five sessions and I'd pray for people. And the leaders had told me about this lady, this major anxiety in her life. And she it was a big deal for her to come and she came to the little trip away. And we, we started to talk and she said, it's a miracle that I'm even here. She said, because anxiety just grips me so much. And she told me her story and I did the first session that night and I'm about to pray for the 20 people that are there believing for breakthrough. And I thought to myself, I'll go to her first and I'll pray for her. And and as I went to her, I I thought this is easy because she's already told me the problem. I'm just going to pray for anxiety. But as I walked over to her, I felt Holy Spirit speak to me and say, Lucas, anxiety is not the problem. But it's what her dad did to her when she was a little girl. Now all of a sudden my heart's beating a thousand, you know, it's beating fast. And 
Because what, what if I'm wrong? And she's there with her eyes closed. And I, I, I whispered those words. And I said, I just felt God say that anxiety is not the problem, but it's what your dad did to you when you're a little girl. And as I said these words, it was like the floodgates opened and she began to weep uncontrollably. And then I saw this picture of God the Father and he was holding her and her head was on his chest and I shared that story and now she begins to weep even more uncontrollably. Prayed for her for some time and eventually some other ladies came to comfort and pray for her and I moved on and prayed for the rest of the group. And at the end of the service, we're sitting around eating hot, drinking hot chocolate and she came to me and she said, Lucas, when I was a little girl, my mother abandoned us. She left me to live with my stepdad who sexually abused me as a little girl. She said, I've always believed in God, but whenever anyone talked about God as a loving father, I could never grasp it. And as she sat across from me, she began to a tear roll down her cheek and she said, Lucas, tonight I saw him as the father. You know, in that moment, that lady got free of decades of anxiety, completely set free. You know, the amazing thing, though, she went back to her church and she doesn't just serve on the welcome team. She actually started to run the welcome team. Went from not being able to leave her house, and I see her still today on Facebook, and she's always doing new initiatives in helping people and reaching out and changing lives because she made a decision as hard as it was to say, you know what, I'm going to bring my mud and I'm going to bring it to the one that was sent. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep working and I'm going to keep washing and I'm going to keep washing and I'm going to keep washing until all of a sudden I can see the great plan that God has for my life. Why don't you stand to your feet? Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place. God, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. We invite you right now to come and move amongst us. Holy Spirit, we worship you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that there's nothing that you can't do. God, we just command even right now that anxiety would bow its knee to the name of Jesus. God, that depression would literally lift off people in the name of Jesus. God, we declare that addictions would be broken in the name of Jesus. God, we pray and we declare that mindsets that are stopping us from seeing would literally be exposed and lifted in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that in just a moment that you would help every single person in this room to be able to clearly see the great things that you have for our lives. Just with every eye closed, I just really sense that there's, and it might be a number of people, but you've been struggling with a secret sin. And, and, and what's happened is it's affected the way that you see your future. But I feel the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you that the future He has for you has not changed despite the fact that you've been struggling in sin. That God still has that picture for you. You've just stopped being able to see it. But right now, God wants to invigorate you with that vision again. He wants to show you that you're still called of God, that there's still a vision in front of you, that you're still going to do great things for the kingdom of God. And I break the power right now that that, that hold has it on you, that addiction, that struggle. I speak to it right now and I break its 
power in the name of Jesus. I break off shame, I break off guilt, and I break off condemnation right now. And I pray that you'd see like you were once able to see. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place. Just right now with every eye closed. and If you'd say, you know, Lucas, there, there, there's some mud in my life that's stopping me from seeing. And like I said, it might be major insecurity. It might be fear. It might be depression. It might be a struggle with sin. It might be the, the family that you've grown up in. It might be, uh, you know, whatever it might be. But if you say, you know what, there's a part of my humanity that I'm wrestling with that's stopping me from seeing. If that's you, I want you to lift both hands to heaven. I'm going to pray. Yeah, there's a whole lot of people right now. Father, I just thank you right now. There it is. I thank you for the Spirit of God. I thank you for the Spirit of God right now. There it is. I thank you for the Spirit of God right now. I thank you for the Spirit of God Almighty right now to literally just rest, to rest upon every person. Don't need to rush this moment right now. Come on, He's touching people right now. Just right now in your seat, just let Him touch you right now. Let Him bring freedom right now. Let Him bring freedom right now. Let Him bring freedom right now. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, I release the power of heaven right now. God, for every person with their hands raised, God, that whatever they're struggling with right now, I join with them in, in, in prayer and in agreement and in partnership. And I command that whatever mountains that they're struggling with, I command that those mountains be removed and cast into the sea right now. I pray for fresh vision to come in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray there'd be a flood of fresh vision in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare it right now. I declare it. I declare it. I declare it right now. God, touch every person. I command anxiety to bow its knee. I, I de command depression to go in the name of Jesus Christ. I command depression right now. Someone's wrestling with depression. There is a spirit of heaviness that literally comes upon you that is debilitating. Right now, I join my faith with yours and I say depression, you will go in the name of Jesus Christ. You will go in the name of Jesus Christ. That spirit of heaviness, I command you to go back into the abyss where you came from right now. I declare joy instead of depression. I declare joy in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Holy Ghost. 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 Just 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 let him touch you right now. Let him bring healing to your heart. Let him bring healing to your heart. There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is, just the, the young lady in the purple there with your hands raised. I just feel like God's, He's bringing healing right now to your heart. He's bringing healing to your heart. He's bringing supernatural healing. I, I see it. I see the love of the Father right now. I see a daughter and, and a father right now. And He's bringing healing. He's holding you. He's holding you. He's holding you. He's whispering. He's whispering into your heart that you are loved that you are believed in, that you are beautiful, that you're a woman of destiny, that you're a woman of purpose. Holy Spirit, I'm telling you that you are a woman of great purpose, that you're a woman of great purpose. God's doing a great work in you. 
He's doing a great work in you and you're going you're gonna to make an incredible difference in people's lives. That's what I see. You're going to make an incredible difference in people's lives. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Just, just for the, the lady in the green right here, why don't you just lift your hands to heaven? Yeah, just lift your hands to heaven. Father, I just thank you for your daughter right now. I just thank you for your precious, precious daughter. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I, I, just, I just believe that God's preparing a great work for you. And, and I, I see this picture of you serving, almost like cleaning floors, washing floors. But, but I just, I don't know, that's just the, the picture I get. I see you just washing. And, 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 but, but, but it speaks of preparation. God's preparing you. And he's got a, there's, there, I just see great opportunity. There's going to be a great serving opportunity that's going to bring blessing to your life in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. And what God would say to you is that, is that the, the flaws don't have to be perfectly clean for you to, be able to step into the next thing. That, that God calls us into each next thing while he's still working in us and on us. And that we don't have to be perfect. And right now, that's what I just feel. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what the word is. That, that God right now is breaking a perfection, kind of a perfectionist thing over your life that stops you from stepping in to what God, God's not waiting for you to be perfect. God's not expecting you to be perfect. And once you get straight A's and he says, all right, now you can go to the next level. God's saying, no, I'm choosing you just as you are right now. Just as you are right now with the stuff that you're still working on, with the stuff that you're going through. I'm calling you, I'm calling you, I'm calling you, I'm calling you, I'm calling you. And right now I break that spirit of perfectionism right now in the name of Jesus. I see it broken. I see it broken. I see it broken. And I, and I wonder even if it's a, a little bit of religiosity that sometimes there can be that thing that I have to have everything perfect before I can be used by God. I see that broken off your life in the name of Jesus. And I declare this is your time. I declare it's your season that God's calling you into something, something new, something great, something that will bring blessing and fulfillment to your life. And I command every obstacle to be removed in the name of Jesus. And I speak blessing over your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, we thank you. 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 Just, just stay there. Just, uh, just be a little, a minute longer, not too long. But just right now with your, your palms to heaven, I just feel, I'm not going to call this out, but, but I just feel like as well there's someone you're struggling with an addiction. And right now you can feel the heat of God on your chest. And God says He's bringing freedom to you right now. He's bringing freedom. He's bringing freedom. And what, and what I see is the heat that's on your chest. Is, you know, there's things that we often can't move through because they're a hard obstacle. But often heat will be used and the heat is so hot that what we couldn't move with other things, heat will cause even the strongest things to, to melt in that moment. I just feel that that's for someone right now, that there's been an addiction in your life. Maybe no one knows, maybe people do, but right now you've tried to overcome. You've tried many, many times. 
You've been at the altar. You've come to God. You've said, please, God, please, God, please, God. But right now, I just see the heat of God. And it's His strength that literally is going to overcome this addiction. And I declare freedom over your life right now in the name of Jesus. And I'll close with this prayer right now, and then I'll get past it to come. But right now, with every hand raised, I'm going to ask God to show you what He sees for your life. With every obstacle moved, with every bit of our own mud that stops us from seeing, I'm going to pray right now in a moment that that you would supernaturally, that you'd have eyes of the eagle that would literally see not, not, not just the plans that you have for your future, but the plans that He has for your future. So with your heart open, your eyes closed, Father, I pray right now in this room that you would reveal to every single person, the young and the old, that they would see so clearly the plan and purpose that heaven has for each one of our lives. I pray right now, open eyes. There it is. Open eyes. Open eyes, eyes that have been closed by discouragement. I command those eyes to open in Jesus' name right now. It's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. God would say to someone, you're not too old. You're not too old. You haven't missed the boat. You haven't missed the boat. I I see someone and you keep, like, like Lot's wife, you keep looking back and seeing the moment that you made the wrong turn and you keep thinking, I missed the boat. I'm here today to tell you, you have not missed the boat. You're just looking the wrong way. It's time to look forward. It's time to let go of the past. It's time to look forward to the future right now. God, open every single eye. And God, give us strength to fulfill everything that you've called us to fulfill. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Come on, why don't we give God praise in this place? Thanks, Pastor. Hallelujah.